welcome everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth. This is the Prairie Doc Radio Program. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. It's good to be on the show again. Thank you for being here. Love having you here. And you brought someone with you today. I did. I have a Brookings native here, a med student, fourth year Kate Walagowski. So that last name may be familiar to many of you. And our uh, former ER doc is actually your uncle, I believe. Correct? Nice. All right. Well, you want to say hi to everyone out in Radioland? Thanks for having me on, everyone. So I'm a fourth-year medical student, and that's my fourth year out of four, so I get to graduate next May. Um, I'm interested in going into psychiatry, and like Dr. Cruz said, I'm a Brookings native, graduated from Brookings High School, and was excited to come back to USD for medical school. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us today. How long are you with Dr. Cruz? I'm on a rotation for three weeks, so this is day three of three weeks, and it's called Rural Family Medicine that we all do in our fourth year. All right, excellent, wonderful. And what what has it been like to be a med student during these COVID times? Did you have some time off? Did they keep you going? What what have you guys been doing? So we had time off in the sense that we weren't on our clinical rotations, but we were kept in doing um, online rotations. So about mid-March, we kind of got pulled off of the in-person things and we were able to get credits online, which is really lucky for us because we'll still graduate on time. And then we went back to the in-person things June 1st. And so far it's been fairly normal um, with all of kind of the added COVID precautions of wearing masks and face shields and added hand hygiene. Um, But otherwise as students, it's been fairly normal. Okay. So this, if I remember right, is this your second year kind of of rotations? It is. So you've had a year, a full year under your belt. Mm -hmm. uh, So you had a lot of exposure to what it's like to be practicing Mm -hmm. um, to come back into this too. Yes. And then our fourth year, we get a little more time to pick some elective rotations. There's a few of these requirements, but we kind of get to explore what we might want to be going into and Oh, about 10 months or so. Right, right. An exciting time. Well, I'm glad you guys are able to keep moving through your education, and we need you all (laughs) out in the workforce, so that's good that you're able to keep moving forward with all of that. I know my whole class was very excited to be back on rotations. We were all getting a little stir-crazy with the online coursework, for sure. Yes, so it was more um, like, yeah, classwork that you were doing Mm -hmm. online. Not. Have you done any um, practicing medicine virtually or on any of your rotations that you've been on now? I have not. Um, I've heard that that might be something coming in this fall, that there might be some virtual, what we call away rotations, where we go into other health systems to kind of check out these other health systems that we might go into residency in but so far it's all been kind of lots of reading lots of cases where we read cases you know come up with our own plans but not actual patients okay got it very good 
Excellent. Well, we're so happy to have Dr. Cruz and Kate Walagoski here in the studio with us today. We want to answer your medical questions. So if you have a question um, that you'd like to bring up today, you can give us a call at 605-692-1430. We're going to be focusing today on some ear, nose, and throat topics. So if you have something in that area, but any topic, of course, we'd love to have your questions. We're going to be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. The grass is growing and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz and medical student Kate Walagoski is here to discuss your medical questions. So give us a call at 605-692-1430. The topic we want to dive into today is ear, nose, and throat. That specialty kind of all clumps together. Um, one of the more common things I think we hear about are ear infections. What causes an ear infection? So ear infection is usually caused by kind of a bacteria that's climbing up the eustachian tube, which is the tube that connects the back of the ear to the back of the throat. And um, that tube is generally more uh, horizontal and flat in children just because of their head shape and size. So that's why kids tend to get ear infections easier. It's easier for the fluid to go there. As you get older, the tube kind of elongates and becomes more up and down. So it's harder for um, like mucus and snot and bacteria to get up through that tube and to get behind that eardrum and, and then infect the ear. So that's why little kids tend to have issues and then you kind of outgrow it as you get older. Fascinating. I never knew why that happens. So our, our um, anatomy, Your anatomy kind of grows and changes yep. and you, makes it. You physically change because in children, their head is such a larger percentage of the, the body. It's, it's You've got a big head and a little body. And then, again, as everything kind of grows and elongates it, and those proportions change, your risk for ear infections go down. Very interesting. So if you have an ear infection, what are some of the options um, to treat it? So a l- Initially, we always thought that we had to treat every ear infection with antibiotics. And now we're finding that that's not necessarily um, the truth. There are uh, viral ear infections. And even if it's bacterial, you do have an immune system. I mean, antibiotics are kind of a thing of the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. So um, people were getting ear infections for eons and centuries and and getting over them. so if it's a mild one where there's not lots of bulging, not lots of pain, sometimes we will just watch them and let the body fight it off naturally. Um, if it's not, you know, the ears really swollen, bulging, we've got lots of pain, fevers, then uh, a lot of times we will treat with antibiotics to help clear that up and get it feeling better. So from what I'm hearing from you, um, a lot of times the ear infection isn't the initial thing. It's more maybe some, a cough or something you have going on in your 
in your system that might get into your ear is that it's right? possible yeah okay. sometimes it can can go that way you know okay people always ask are ear infections contagious well there has to be some level of contagion or it won't spread from person to person so right um, but it's generally once it's in the ear you're not spreading it to other people it's kind of the phase before it gets up to there gotcha okay yeah my um my husband's a physician as many of you know and um he would always just say well if we don't look we won't know so he would just wouldn't ever look in our kids ears until they were like super miserable and then he'd maybe look in their ears but just like give them time let it get better (laughs) like okay so um yeah so kind of moving towards that kind of waited out waited out a little bit yep we're we're trying to find with you know antibiotic stewardship you know Let's let's wait it. Let's see if the body can take care of it. You know, we don't want to wait till it gets to the point where the eardrum ruptures because there's so much pus or fluid or infection behind there. You know, definitely when it's getting to that point, we want to treat that. Um, but if it's just a mild case, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes they will get over it on their own. Yes, I've kind of been the same. You know, what I do for my patients and what my poor kids have to suffer through right. is, is sometimes different. I'm a little <laughs> bit stingier with with my children, saying, oh you can tough it out it'll be fine and and yes they're doing fine Um, what we don't want is uh, recurrent eardrum ruptures which can lead to hearing issues or lots of fluid that if it's the fluid stain behind those eardrums continuously we don't want that because especially in younger kids when they're developing speech if they're hearing everything muffled it makes it very hard for them to acquire language and and articulate things clearly so that's when we start talking about you know do we need to have tubes in the ears if they're getting recurrent infections recurrent fluid buildup and and just not hearing properly so and we often hear people say oh and they have a double ear infection Mm -hmm. and that means both ears both ears (laughs) it just means both ears are are affected okay so you can have one ear you can have both ears so yeah double doesn't mean twice as bad it just means both Both ears are are miserable are are miserable okay all right, so tell us more about tubes. Um, it seems somewhat common for kiddos to get tubes. What ages? No. So um, it, I've seen them as young as like around a year and, and then kind of going up from there. Again, as you get older, um, your incidence of getting ear infections t- tends to go down. So I would say kind of in those preschool years is where I'm seeing people get tubes the most. Um, we kind of have a criteria of you need to have, you know, X number of ear infections within six months or within okay. a year, and um, to make it worth the risk of, of surgery because there's always a risk mm-hmm. with any procedure where you're, um, you know, sedating a child. So it's not something that you know we just jump to the first time you have an ear infection. But if we're seeing that we're having this repeated ear infection, they're never clearing up the fluid, they're always sick and having you know bad fevers and needing antibiotics recurrently, you know, several months, or it seems like they just never get over. It's like you know, they finish their antibiotics, they're great, and three days later they're they're sick again and pulling at their ears and miserable. We don't want kids to be miserable like right. that. So that's when we say you know maybe we need to talk to the ear, nose, and throat doctor and and kind of defer to their judgment of, is this appropriate to do? And what do the tubes do? How do they help? So the tubes help uh, from that fluid being kind of blocked behind the eardrum. It it allows it an easier way for that fluid to escape and that uh, stuff to drain. So bacteria can't kind of sit and fester there. Which way is it draining? Is it draining it, out? Generally draining or out. Okay. So yep. the earwax and yep. the... Okay. So mm-hmm. it's trying to get It's out, trying to get out. And the tube yep. helps it yep. get so out. So if okay. it... Uh, 
And basically, it prevents that super high pressure of a uh, eardrum rupturing. So we're preventing, if they do get an infection, it won't rupture. So because there's already kind of a pressure release valve there. Okay. And what happens if an eardrum does rupture? What does that mean? Uh, well, generally, the pain all of a sudden gets better. <laughs> really? Because they'll say, oh, my gosh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And then all of a sudden, like, no, it doesn't hurt that bad. Okay. So whenever tells, someone tells me it was excruciating, they were crying all day, and they're like, but they seem fine this morning. I'm like... Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. Let, let's take a look. And yeah, obviously a bunch of pus and sometimes some blood in the ear canal. I'm like, oh, it ruptured. That's why. So it'll feel better because that pressure is released. Um, so we're, we're basically kind of doing that pressure release in a controlled manner when we're putting tubes in. Uh, the eardrum is amazing. It will heal up. Okay. Um, but if it ca happens repeatedly, then you get some scar tissue with that healing repetitively. And that, again, can affect how the eardrum moves and how you hear. So it can lead to some hearing issues okay. later in life. Fascinating. My dad, um, a farmer, works hard. He was doing something and ended up hitting his head pretty hard. And he lost some of his hearing mm -hmm. in his ear. And they just... Um, gave it time but like a lot of time like i think it was a year year and a mm -hmm. half and it did eventually come back but it was yep. kind of like what what is this yeah and if it doesn't heal um the ear nose and throat doctors are amazing and they can put literally a patch on it so like just a little patch like you put on like a screen door if there's a little hole okay. they've got some biomembrane thing that they can put on to kind of seal it over and help the body fix it if it's not fixing it appropriately on its own very interesting. And what about um, with the ears? We think about water in the ears when we're swimming and such. Is that a normal thing when you kind of can hear that water in your ears? That's something to be concerned about. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be in the ear canals. And, you know, um, I was a swimming lesson instructor when I was in college okay. and in high school. So I had a lot of experience with the water in my ears and ears plugging. And if you can get that water out, that's when you run the risk of, you know, developing what we call swimmer's ear. So that's not an infection of the eardrum. That's an infection of the ear canal from water being stuck in there. So um, I always looked silly when I was doing it. But if you kind of tilt your head to the side and you jump up and down, you can usually get that water to pop, that, that surface oh. tension to release, and then the water to drain out. So that will definitely help with it. A hair dryer also um, to kind of dry out that ear canal will help. Okay. What about when we, when most of us aren't flying too much now, but when we are flying, that popping that, that popping. happens in your ears, mm -hmm. uh, what, what's happening then and yep. any recommendations for that? So again, that's related to that eustachian tube, the tube that connects the back of the throat to the back of the ear. So we're trying to equalize the pressure on the inside and the outside of the ear, um, on both sides of that ear canal or that ear drum. And what happens is as you're going higher, the pressure is changing. They do pressurize the air cabins, but um, you can't get it equal to being on the ground. So that's why your ear wants to pop when you're going higher, when you're diving down deep, when you're swimming. And you need to clear that ear or you get what's called barotrauma. So again, the ear will look red and angry if it doesn't pop when it wants to. Okay. And that pressure, again, is either pushing it out or sucking the eardrum in. Um, so chewing gum, yawning, um, there's techniques that scuba divers learn to kind of help clear your ears as they're descending so they don't end up injuring their ears from that. So that can be very painful if it doesn't pop. So, you know, trying to get that to clear. When you start feeling that pressure, try to make your ear pop gently. You don't want to like force it because you can actually rupture an eardrum by like squeezing your nose and blowing hard. If you blow right. too hard, you can actually hurt yourself. Cause damage. So be careful. But gotcha. good to get it uh, stuff to clear. Okay. Um, if someone is experiencing hearing loss, what are 
um, what are some treatment options? You mentioned they can do a lot now with um, different procedures. Mm-hmm. But yep. More. So again, it all kind of depends on what the cause is. So okay. you know, each it's kind of hard to generalize with things. If it is due to kind of some scar tissue or calcium deposits on it, like my grandmother had, she actually had a procedure done where they kind of removed that uh, scar tissue and that calcium deposits on her eardrum so she could hear better. Mm. Um, but hearing aid technology has come a long way mm-hmm. for people. So that is uh, another thing. Uh, also, if hearing loss, there's a lot of work with cochlear implants where you're using kind of more bone conduction rather than the eardrum to conduct the noise so you can hear. Okay. Fascinating. So yeah. get some decent options out there if you are struggling with your hearing. Get it checked out and mm-hmm. explore what you could do to help with that. Well, it's time for us to take a break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Our programs are available on Apple Podcasts. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking about the area of ear, nose, and throat, and um, been focusing mostly on the ear, uh, but we do have to have a question coming in um, saying this person has tightening or locking of the jaw when yawning. What causes that? And is there anything to do to ease the pain or help with it? So what that sounds like that person is describing is what's called TMJ or a temporal mandibular joint. So that's the joint where your jaw is connecting to the skull. And it's got kind of a little wavy. It's a gliding joint. So it's different than a lot of the other joints in the body. So it kind of glides. But when the jaw opens really wide, it kind of slides forward a little bit. And it kind of goes over that little hump. And sometimes if it doesn't go over the hump right, it kind of jumps the track. Kind of like um, like a sliding door. It will kind of jump the track and get a little bit off. And then it gets stuck. Okay. So... Um, what happens is sometimes you actually need to kind of wiggle the jaw a little bit to kind of get it again back on the track to slide back in and out safely. Uh, a lot of people when they have TMJ, if they open their jaw wide, instead of um, moving down symmetrically up and down, we'll see it make almost kind of an S curve. And um, we can see that. And sometimes, again, when it's making that S curve, it'll lock on the track and, and will hurt and uh, again needing to move it back so what we say is first try to get rid of the inflammation and irritation in the jaw from doing that because that jumping hurts and and when stuff gets stuck it hurts so try to avoid chewing gum or taffy or anything that's really sticky or chewy 
um, icing that area, ibuprofen. And then I always tell people, you know, talk to your dentist. Uh, they can do what's called a Panorex x-ray and make sure that that joint looks healthy and safe and nothing's eroded or, or damaged there. <clears throat> and if it's problems related, sometimes people get bad TMJ because they do a lot of teeth grinding at night and put a lot of stress on that joint and kind of irritate it and inflame it that way. A lot of times your dentist can make kind of a custom uh, mouth guard at night that will help keep you from grinding your teeth and will kind of save that joint from getting irritated. Um, so icing it, ibuprofen, if you can take uh, anti-inflammatories will help with that pain. And then if that doesn't work, then we usually talk to the ear, nose, and throat doctor. And sometimes they can do an injection of some steroid right into that joint um, to kind of help calm it down and, and feeling better. There's also some like physical therapy exercises or some osteopathic techniques that I'm able to do that can kind of help with that too. But uh, those are more adjuncts and rather than first line treatments. So the first is trying to figure out why is this happening and then can we fix the root problem Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just kind of mask the symptoms. Yeah, I'm sure when you're yawning, that's you just it's just a natural thing we mm -hmm. do. And so, um, and then to have that pain mm -hmm. be very frustrating to have to yes. work through. So some good tips there from Dr. Cruz. Um, we have a caller in her 80s. Um, her ears ring constantly. Can you discuss why that is? And are there any new treatments for ringing in the ears? So that's uh, called tinnitus, and um, that kind of chronic ringing in ears can be caused by many different things. It can be caused by hearing loss. Uh, it can be caused by something that's called Meniere's disease. Usually that has a component of dizziness or vertigo with that as well. It can also be caused by certain medications, so I would say definitely talking with the, your uh, doctor to see if any medications could be contributing to that. Um, sometimes it's an excess amount of fluid inside the inner ear that can cause can make that worse too. So sometimes we'll treat with uh, fluid pills, diuretics to help kind of rid of some of that fluid and help uh, calm down the ringing. And there's a lot of masking things that we can do to kind of help block out that sound. So kind of like noise canceling headphones, they do make noise canceling hearing aids for. Um, tinnitus. But there's also a little trick that I recently uh, learned from another uh, doc that it's not a permanent solution, but it will kind of cut down that amount of ringing. And if you put your hands on your ears like you've got, like you're making them into earmuffs, and then you kind of cross your fingers like your, your uh, index over your middle finger, like you're trying to make a wish, mm -hmm. and then put it in the back, and then you just kind of snap that finger down off kind of those two bumps in the back of your skull, if you do that about 40 times, wow, I, I don't, yeah, it, it's really weird. You just kind of snap it and then pop and you're kind of hitting those, you know, like, like loud enough that you feel a thump back mm -hmm. there. If you do that about 30 to 40 times in a row, the, the um, uh, loudness and kind of frequency of it, it will usually a lot of times either dampen or go away completely for a while. So it's not a... a fixed so it's going to come back sure but if you have it that you know what i can't sleep or this is just driving me nuts i can't hear anything um i actually have some issues with uh, this as well and i i'm like this is this is bogus there's no way this is going to work but you know what i'm willing to try anything it's pretty harmless i can't right. i'm not going to hurt anything by tapping myself on the back of the head 40 right. times so i did that and then all of a sudden i, I stopped i'm like oh my gosh, this is what silence sounds like. Oh. So it really, it's, it's amazing how something that simple, and of course it comes back later, but for a while it goes away and, or if it doesn't go away, it, 
it will definitely go from like an eight down to a two. Sure. So it really can, um, something you can do for free <laughs> and yes. as often as you need and like to help calm that down. Um, if you're in one of those people where it's, it's just happening and, and unfortunately we can't fix permanently, um, a lot of times we can kind of, again, help manage it and dampen it. But that little trick um, has been a lifesaver for me, especially trying to get that at night. Because the, the other thing we talk about is trying to mask with white noise machines or something to kind of, you know, so you're not focusing on it and just kind of let that noise go to the background and ignore it mm-hmm. and tune it out. So, um, but yeah, try that trick and see if it works because it works great for me. Excellent. Wonderful. Very good. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Uh, We still have a couple minutes for a question. If you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Be aware with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer your medical questions. We've been talking about ear, nose, and throat issues today. Um, we've talked a little bit about hearing. Um, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the nose. Someone's had a runny nose for a few weeks, but other than that, seem to be healthy. Any suggestions or what might be going on? Uh, well, there's a lot of things that can cause um, runny nose, but the most common one I would say this time of year is probably allergic rhinitis. So, okay. so allergies kind of causing this kind of clear, drippy, annoying nose. And there are some people that have what we call non-allergic rhinitis, where they just kind of have a chronic runny nose, which unfortunately there's not a good reason or or answer to. Uh, but for the allergic type, um, we find that the nasal sprays like uh, Nasonex. Um, Nasocort, Veramist, uh, all of those, uh, Flonase, um, Sensimist, all of those tend to really do a good job of helping clear out that inflammation in the nose from any allergies and will help also um, calm down the dripping mm-hmm. with that. So, um, and I, again, another little tip with that, most people when they spray in nasal sprays over the counter, they spray up and they, they're, they're just shooting up towards their eye. And I always tell people, if you do that, it's going to go in the front of your nose and then it's going to drip right back down and you're going to get very little benefit from it. You need to aim back towards your ear. So if you're oh. spraying into the left nostril, put the spray in your right hand and aim back towards your left ear. So if you taste it, you did it right. Okay. So, because when we're doing COVID testing swabs, we're doing nasal pharyngeal. So we're going all the way in the nasal passage, all the way where it hits the back of the throat and connects to the back of the throat. So your nasal passage goes back about to the level of your ear. So we always think of it, you know, just in front. But when, if you look at like a Halloween skull, you know, from the Halloween decorations, you see there's that hole and it goes way back there. So that's where you're aiming for. That's where all the, the turbinates and where all the snot's coming from. So get back there in the front. 
there's really not much going on that's helping with the the mucus production okay all the good stuff is way back there so spray it and get it back get it to the point you can taste it if you absolutely hate the taste of it then i would say the um the sense mist is probably the one you'd want because that one's such a fine mist you don't really taste it as bad and it's it still works very well great tip sounds good a caller called in and says will you please repeat that trick that worked for your ears. Can you explain that one <laughs> okay. more time? So put your hands over your ears like you're covering them with earmuffs, okay? Mm-hmm. Now cross your index and your middle finger, and then you're going to snap over and um, kind of snap your fingers down. So your index finger is tapping the back of your skull, kind of where those two big points are in the back between your skull and your neck. So you're just going to tap that place, and you do that 40 times take it off and then hopefully that will clear stuff up excellent so it's just like you're crossing your fingers yep and then um, uncrossing and them then as just you uncrossing them as they hit the back of your head yep. there all right great tips dr cruz thank yes. you for that well before we go uh please be sure to tune in to south dakota public broadcasting television and the prairie doc facebook page for on call with the prairie doc most thursdays starting at 7 p.m central This week's On Call with the Prairie Doc Summer Encore program is Our Ears, Nose, and Throat. This episode was originally aired on January 23, 2020 with Prairie Doc host Richard Holm and guest Dr. Jonathan Malama of Avera Medical Group Specialty Care Brookings to address the issues of our ear, nose, and throat. So tune in for that tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on SDPB Television. In addition, you will find Dr. Andrew Ellsworth's essay, As Plain as the Nose on Your Face, in Monday's Brookings Register and many other local papers as well as on the Prairie Doc blog. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc Library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for the Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz and Kate Walagoski for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.